You're very welcome to episode 35 of Season 2 of LOI Weekly with uh, Johnny Ward, myself and Daniel McDonald, and we're on Podcast Republic, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes and at LOI Weekly on Twitter in association with uh, Airsport and Independent.ie. Two guests this week, uh, Kev Doherty of Drawdy United fame and Shane Keegan um, of increasingly uh, journalist fame actually. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd go that far yet now but uh, something, something to pay the bills Johnny. Your columns are making a splash. Are going all right, each other a bit, a bit hit and miss, kind of one good, one bad. Every now and again, um, good reaction off a few of them. Are yeah, enjoying it? How are you actually enjoying writing? Uh, Dan and I have been at it a few years now, but Shane, you're you're, uh, you're but you do write your own pieces, like it's oh, not, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, um, yeah, slow, definitely. That's the first thing I'd say. I'm very slow putting them together as I am, but uh, no, look, I was always kind of massively into reading journalism and all that kind of crap I went off and did a not like you boys a proper course now I only did a 12 week kind yeah, of a thing in a I didn't do a course at all yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, fact Joe Joe Malloy actually was, was one of the lecturers on the course that I did. one of the lecturers yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. broadcaster of the year yes yes yeah. indeed uh, um, and if you're in Dublin this morning and your post is a bit delayed Kev you got the morning off yeah, yeah, I uh, had to make a few phone calls and, and, and get myself covered, but the lads were, were very accommodating, so yeah, not too bad. bit like the draw at a bench at the moment, you just have to do a lot of rejigging. Yeah, it certainly is, yeah, we wouldn't have the, the biggest squad in the world. And, and your management team. Yeah, well, luckily enough, Tim will be back now for Friday, so uh, I'll be able to relax a little bit more now, come Friday. Tim got himself a nice band for a few nice comments after a game. Tim Clancy, yeah. we like him. Yeah, no, he, uh, yeah, he got four games, which... We aren't overly happy with like, but uh, look, we've we've got through the, the few weeks. So as I said, he's back Friday. So uh, looking forward to that. Congratulations, anyway. So you you, you overcame um, a first leg deficit to beat Shelburne, but um, I think one of the aspects of the game that people were talking about was Jake Highland, your captain, who broke his leg in a what by all accounts wasn't a particularly good challenge. Yeah, it was it was terrible because Jake has been brilliant for us all all year and. Said he's our captain, he's our leader. He on the pitch like he, he uh, wouldn't be going around screaming at people, but he really leads by example, you know. Uh, it was a bad tackle, uh, and the player came over to me afterwards because I actually signed him for Shells, um, and was apologising and all that. So it was, a, it's, it was a tough one, and he got sent off. And, and Jake spent the night in the manor then, and ended up having to go up to to the doctor and draw to to get the get it done properly because I think there was forty people or something ahead of him in the manor, which I suppose is another. Another debate, something like that. Yeah, he, he, in, he was there all night till six o'clock in the morning and ended up having to go because he wasn't being seen and stuff. after so, breaking his leg. Yeah, yeah. So as he wears, he was in a uh, in a waiting. Yeah, of, yeah as far as I know, such, yeah. yeah. Like he he was straight to the hospital, like and still waiting all night, and which obviously isn't ideal. Particularly, he couldn't put any weight on his, on his leg. Um, I find that actually quite shocking. Now. Yeah, well, that's as I said. It's it's probably an, another debate about different things, but he's a. Uh, Look, I was talking to him yesterday, and, and Tim's been on to him, and, and all the lads. And look, he, he, at the time of the year that it, that it happened, at least the one good thing about having the longest off season in Europe is that you'd be hopefully be back for pre season next year. But we, we certainly will miss him over the two Finn Harp games, and, and hopefully even further. You couldn't be missing him for worse opposition either, really. No, you, look, you think about it when you absolutely when you look at the style of playing, yeah, how, well, how effective they are on set pieces as well. That's exactly it. I mean, Jake is, is six foot three or, or, or so, like, and, stuff. and he, he's, he's fantastic. He's so much energy, and, and, and you're right, going into, into those games, and we needed them for the Shells games, they'd be quite similar with set pieces with Lorcan Fitzgerald's deliveries and, mm. and whatnot. They, going into the Finn Harps game, we, we possibly could be down one of our other big boys yet. Yeah, we're just waiting on that suspension list to come through but hopefully we won't be but um, 
it'll be it'll be tough ask without Jake. But look, we'll have the likes of young William Hon- William Hondermark coming in. And it's, a, it's a chance for him. He's been great. The, the chances he's got this year. And uh, look, it, it'll be tough, but we'll, we'll see how we get on. So, so Kev, t- tell me about your feelings. You're on the sideline on Monday night, and as you mentioned, when that James English tackle on, on Jake takes place, shells are down to nine, and there's an assumption. Yeah. You know, everyone, you know, looking on their phone, I, I was sort of sitting with people, oh, they're down to nine. You know, well, there you go. Drugs yeah. are going to, they're going to go on and get this done. And you probably know that, the, the, that, that Actually, that's there. Yeah, I did. And yeah, yeah, it's not quite happening as such. Yeah, so what it, are you feeling? It was, it was... I've never been in that situation before and I was talking to Shane beforehand and, and you do these things sometimes in training where you attack against the fence and there'll always be an extra one or two attackers and invariably the, the defenders, they don't concede because like, they just make themselves so compact and you try and shift them around and you're moving the ball from side to side but if there's five, say, lads across the box and then there's three in front of them, it can still be hard to break down and look, we we, we probably should have been a little bit more creative. We didn't need that. As I, again, I was saying to Shane, we actually were, we were two up, we were winning two nil, like, and at the time, Shell had no centre forward. All mm. we needed to do was keep the ball. And we were saying that to the, to the players, and they were doing it for, within reason, but, <clears throat> sorry, um, there was, they were sort of getting a little bit frustrated themselves, like, we'll just go and kill the game off. And we were trying to play that killer pass too, too early, or when we didn't really need to do it. Like, all we basically need to do is see the game out. And we did, now we did create chances and, and like we probably should have killed it off, but we didn't really need to do that. And we probably needed to, the pitch was dry. It wasn't, if it had been a bit slicker and something, might have been able to zip it around a bit more. But we were taking unnecessary chances, really, by just allowing them a chance to win the ball back and then they go and win it back. And Carmore played an unbelievable pass and they scored. And then you're thinking, Jesus, this, mm. this, isn't, this doesn't look great. Like as you said, you're probably thinking, people say, how are they not? Like beating them again with nine men, but we were again. Fair season relied on it as well, yeah, I guess, you know. And, and they were fighting for their lives. In fairness to the man, like the likes of Alan Bourne and Derek Prendergast with centre half playing, just absolutely heading everything in the way. But again, down to us, we should have been able to get around it. But uh, so we did what we needed to do. We were one down going into the, the tie as well. Like we forget that we went and we we actually did. We, we turned around we beat them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We were so we we. And, the 90 minutes we beat them 2-1 over the, the two legs, like you know. But now, having said that, we'd have liked to make it more comfortable, and it was certainly very uncomfortable when when they scored and the crowd was up and they could see the effort that the, the shells had were putting in, and it certainly drove the, the the home crowd and they got a bit of a boost from that. And it was you were thinking, come on, we just have to finish the job here. And then obviously it, it gets the extra time. We missed a really really good chance. Kevin Farrer should have scored three or four yards out, and I think Dean Delaney made a, a great save. And, you're thinking, geez, it's gonna penalties here, like you know. Yeah. And even that's unusual because the fourth official was over to me and says you have to take two players off the penalties because they only have nine and stats, and then you're picking the two players and to go. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and we were looking at again third bodies two games over the the Friday Monday and you're thinking who's going to be all right to take them and fairness to the to the lads they were really really composed. We we missed one out of the five, but the other four were were really good and Paul Skinner save two of them and actually going back to Jake we were training on Sunday morning and uh, it was him that actually said it to me he says will we, will we practice penalties and he says yeah sure we will yeah shown a lot of managerial yeah absolutely no. yeah I know yeah, I forgot <laughs> it went to penalties <laughs> oh, well, I thought it would be over but then no but we, we went and, and did the penalties and skin saved I think six or seven penalties uh, that the, probably helps but I, I'm just thinking that I wasn't there but I assume when the full time whistle after 120 goes for shells there was a sense of achievement that they would got it there 
And did you have to say something to the players? Because there might have been a sense that they'd blown it or something in some ways that now you're into this... It's not a lottery because you can practice them. Absolutely, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You'd lost your advantage, I guess. So yeah, that's, really well, that's exactly it. But even small little things might have, like, we won the toss and we took the penalties down the, the Ballybock game where there was no one in the, in the stand, mm. like, you know, and behind the goal, obviously, there was, there was plenty of Shells supporters. And we spoke to the players briefly, spoke to, to Skins more so than, than anyone else because it just reminds them, not that he needed to remind that he, he had practiced them the day before and he had saved plenty. I think he saved seven out of the 20 penalties the day before. It's obviously it's worrying from the other side that we mightn't score too many. <laughs> but um, no, we had a word on that. I basically told him, look, you, need, you deserve this. Like We've, we've been, said, worked on a sort of a, with a threadbare squad all year and we've spoken before about wouldn't have the massive budget that that club that we had finished ahead of. So I really felt that they deserved to go at least that one step further um, to, to, to take it to another couple of weeks to the Finn Harps games and look who knows beyond that. But which uh, which route did you go to penalty takers, Kev? Did you tell the five you wanted to take them, or did we you had ask done for it on the on the bench himself, Gareth and Wayne? What we thought, Gareth and Wayne were Gareth the Gareth and Wayne Groves, yeah, they're the nineteens stepping uh, in for the two thirds of your management yeah, team who are banned at the moment. Exactly. Well, they're not banned now; they're back now, so that's fine. We we'll forget about that now. Yeah. Um, and we had what we wanted to do, but then I spoke to them, and who you know the, who fancies one and who felt confident, and, and even in fairness, it was, it was Mark Doyle who actually scored the winning penalty. It was down with cramp. I think two minutes before the end of extra time, and I said, Doyle, you're struggling. Like, don't, you know, what are you sure? And he says, no, I want one, I want one. And Doyle would be a, a quiet lad. He wouldn't be the one that really stands out and be abrasive and I'll, I'll do this. But he really fancied it. And I said, okay, well, if you fancy it, go ahead. And I said, he took the, the fifth one and, and it was, he needed, well, he didn't need to score, he needed to score to win it. But he, he stuck it away and look See, it was I, madness after that. It's a hard one with, with penalties. I, I, I learned my lesson the hard way, well, way, way back. I'm talking underage here, Kendy Cup, actually. When you, go, when you go that route and say, lads, who wants a penalty? Sometimes you have the fella who's 100%er, doesn't want to be seen to shirk away from yeah. taking a penalty and sticks his hand up. And you're looking and you know, you're saying to yourself, he's awful at penalties. Like he's, <laughs> yeah. there's, no, there's no way he'll score a penalty. But he stuck his hand up and he's, there's only five after sticking their hand up. So you say, okay, on you go and take one. And that player missed. And I kind of changed my, uh, my yeah, take. Yeah, tough one. Going forward then, I decided, no, I'll I'm telling I'll them. I'll tell you, yeah. <laughs> but even yeah. if you look, remember when Man United, it was Derby beat them. And yeah, Jose Mourinho's comment on but that. But even when Phil Jones is walking up, Jones. they say most of the, the stadium are saying, don't fancy this. Including but he's probably Jose put his, Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. But I... I, I I'm sure he was one of those lads. I won't. I'll show that I have a bit of ball here. I'll take the penalty, and you're probably thinking. But in fairness, I had every confidence in, in all, even in, in the one that missed. I, I, he normally sticks them away. Like so, you'd be. Uh, you have to sort of trust them as well. Yeah, that they, they, gonna, a couple of them did say that they, they were struggling a little bit. So again, you know, you have yeah, to trust them. You're going to be underdogs against Finn Harps, like despite what Ollie Horgan might say in the meantime. <laughs> I'm sure we're in the Donegal bookmakers were probably odds on to win it. I'd say. <laughs> and but, uh, uh, obviously, know. then if you get through that, like Limerick will be another challenge. But Shane, in fairness to them, with the budget they've had, they've a totally new managerial team with no real managerial experience, and. Um, it's been a great season to finish ahead of Longford and um, Galway United to name yeah. or two. Um, unbelievable, absolutely fantastic season. Um, I'd be interested to look back and see what what where the odds were at the start of the season. I'd say we were probably maybe sixth, fifth or sixth in line. would have been, yeah, In terms of the bookies' rankings, and they're not usually too far off. But no, you, you hit the, you got off to a great start, I think, didn't you? Did you? Yeah, we, we scored. We we played. Now the way the fixtures. Uh, went and the weather and stuff and the floodlights and everything is conspired that we our first two That's games right. were against Atlone yeah. and 
and Wexford, and we scored 14 goals in the, in the two games. <laughs> and it was just madness. And like we, we won 6-0, I think, against Atlone, and then that was on a Sunday because of the floodlight failure. Um, well, not it was for failure, but that's another story. They were all right. Um, we went down to Wexford on the Friday, and we were five up after 20 minutes. Yeah. And I remember being down against yourself, and we were managing shells, and or I was managing Shells and you were managing Wexford and it was certainly was, wasn't ever like that in my experience. I remember Tim was up and I literally well walked over and I just, I tapped him and said, just let you know, this isn't what managers are supposed to be like. Yeah. <laughs> it was just bizarre. Like everything we hit and we ended up winning 8-1 in the first and, yeah, yeah. and, and 6 in our first two games. So I, like it was... I had the same. I, I think the, the Galway way. game was after that when Galway were 2-0 up at half That's time. Right, yeah, That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. And you, yeah. you, you came back. You yeah, did that twice you, against Galway you gave, this year. You gave Tim good advice there. My, my first ever League of Ireland manager, management game, we, we, we beat Watford 6-1 in the South East Derby. Yeah. I thought to myself, this is the greatest, <laughs> this is the greatest crack I've ever <laughs> gone across. Is this is brilliant. Yeah. This is, this is yeah. a walk in the park. But yeah, good warning for Tim there. Yeah, I'm looking at He's fairly got used to it. Have, yeah. you been, have you enjoyed the job yourself? Because you, you have been the number one before, so it's a slight, you know, it's a slight adjustment, I guess. Yeah. But how, how do you enjoy this particular sort of Oh, I love gig? it, yeah. Yeah, I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, I, I know that some people might think that if you were a number one for whatever period, it was nearly two years as a number one it would have been difficult to, to step back in, uh, as a number two. But the way it's worked w- with him, like he's, um, even my little bit of experience, I thought was brought in probably to, to help him with that side of things. But he, the coaching side of it and being on the pitch, and you always hear about the manager doing everything and being on the phone and running around doing everything. And it is, that's the, that's the hard part. I'm sure you'll, you'll agree, Shane. But actually being on the pitch as the assistant, you, you get a lot more time. Now, don't get me wrong, Tim does the shape and the tactics and all that type of stuff. But it, it does allow me that bit of freedom. And in fairness to him again, he'd be on to me and say, what do you want to do? We do this, we do that. And then we, we do it together. But it does, it's, it's certainly, it's, as a regarding sort of pressure, even like it's, it's, Always nearly on the manager, like you so, know. so it's more it's more of a pure football experience than yeah. the other stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. as I said, like, we we do a lot of stuff together, and but it's it's the final decision on everything basically comes down to the manager, and and that's the the difference in in being the the number one or the number two. How have you gotten on? Did you know each other no. at all before the start of the season? No, we, we you had other offers as well. Had a couple of things, yeah, I did, and I was just I was actually coaching up in St. Mark's in the Leinster Senior League. I know, I, I know the manager there, Brian. That, Glenn Crow still playing. Crow, he's, he's not playing, but he, he's actually another. He's doing the coaching now, and he was before I went in and, and after. And they're doing, doing well. They're winning the Leinster Senior League now since I left. But um, <laughs> they, uh, I was doing that, and I was enjoying it because again, I'd I'd gone from Shell fairly quickly into Longford with Alan Matthews, and that didn't end great. And so I was taking a bit of a break, but training say twice a week with with Marcus and stuff, and I was really enjoying it because decent enough level of player. Like you know, a lot most of them have played in the league and. They were a good side, and I was enjoying it. And as you said, there was two or three different things, a couple of phone calls I got about getting back into the league, and they just didn't seem right at the time. And then I got the phone call about Drogheda. I went to, went to meet them, and uh, it was the whole uh, plan of two or three-year plan, maybe, or a project. And it was attracted to me. I met him, sort of didn't know him, but we sort of clicked fairly straight away and seemed to have the same ideas on stuff. And... Uh, just said, yeah, do it. Thought it was the right thing to do, and, and it's go back to you, Dan. I'm really enjoying it. I think it was the, the best decision ever made. Um, we get to, uh, I suppose, the playoffs as well later on, um, and hopefully discuss your uh, Finn Harps game. And we'll also uh, talk about a potential All Ireland League because I spent Monday of last week in 
Coventry to watch Coventry Portsmouth. And this week, I was in another part of the UK uh, to watch um, the Belfast Derby. And uh, I got a few opinions from the Glentoran fans um, about basically an All-Ireland League. But a lot has gone on, Dan, since we were last on. Um, obviously, the Cup semi-final replay, but Dundalk, Dundalk won the finally again. won the league. Again. Won the league again. <laughs> for the fourth week in a row, they yeah, won the league. they've won it every week for the last three, I think. So, uh, yeah, they officially got it done in, uh, on Friday. Obviously, your, your good pal, Patrick Huben with the late goal. With uh, 26 goals. Uh, records. Thanks, yeah. Owen. And by the way, Drogheda were 12-1 to 1 at the start of the league. I know they didn't win it, but um, yeah. thanks, Owen, for that as well. Uh, 26 goals in 33, and he was overcome by emotion, Shane, as he got the equaliser. Proving the doubters wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what doubters would they be, John? Nah. Uh, what a season, in fairness, from. Yeah, look, he's, he's been absolutely fantastic. Here, the guy you tried yes. to bring to Galway back in the day. Yeah, look, uh, I don't think we got too far, really, to be honest. He was always going to have uh, greater suitors than ourselves. It was just when he, when he was he was, bounce, he was back in the country and he was floating around and nothing seemed to be happening there for quite a while. I mean, he essentially went half a season without you know, any team at all. So, obviously, we just made inquiries to see what the situation was. But, look, truth be told, we were chancing our arm a little bit. He was always going to end up with a, up with a, a top two, top three side and... Um, he, I suppose he was exactly what they needed with, with, with Macmillan Head and finishing up with them in the whole lot and he's, he's been outstanding, wasn't he? It's a pheno- it's, Kev, it's a phenomenal goal scoring record. A lad playing up top on his own every week, pretty much. 33 appearances, 32 starts, 26 goals. Oh, he's been unbelievable. Like, and, and he's only just picked up for where he left off the last time, which was... And, and that's he, not... That wasn't easily done either. It's no, not like you just no, coming back and, and, and stuff, you, you, you often hear about lads going away and, and coming back and, and dropping down or whatever but he's certainly he's taken off like he's been he's been absolutely brilliant um, you'd wonder where he gets any criticism from like it's not I don't know where that came from <laughs> but he now he has in fairness to him he's, he, he's been brilliant and look even he's there again and it's a record is it and since I think Premier Division Jason record Bourne, yeah. yeah so he's basically beaten the record that was shared by Byrne uh, Jason Byrne, Glenn Crow, and Richie Tell. Yeah, well, there you go. Of, uh, not going to piss off Pat Morley or anything, is he? Uh, I no. don't know, no. Like, he didn't, didn't score in the first division to contribute to the record. Um, no, and, and he's still got three games left because no player has scored 30 goals in a season since the 1950s. Um, now, it's a challenge to get there in the last three games, and they've got a cup final, and, and I'd imagine like Georgie Kelly is probably entitled to a game, and Ronan Murray and these lads will want to get a run, but... It was actually striking in the game against Derry, which basically won the league. Uh, I mean, he, he could have got a couple more and I think was getting really frustrated by it, you know, because it was there for him that day. Derry always give you chances. So, you know, maybe 30 could be a struggle, you know, but um, I think they are aware of the significance. There's also, he's also on, on course to, to becoming Dundalk's all-time record goal scorer. He's not far away from that either, which I think is bad, really, based on the strength of three seasons there. Um, and yeah, there's a couple of other little targets and, and stuff that they have to aim for in the next couple of games. A lot of, a lot of strikers are kind of like, um, you know, they're very selfish or whatever, but he's all around game. He just. Well, his whole play is, is fantastic. And, and I mean, okay, I mean, you know, he's miles ahead of the next best. And I mean, they're such a good side that, you know, the central striker playing for that team will always get chances. But I thought, what I thought was most impressive about Friday was. The game hadn't really gone well for him. You know, Pats had done very well. I mean, in fairness to Gerard Bryan, like they'd, they'd set up and met themselves decent enough. They put, you know, they played Lee Desmond in midfield, put Connor Clifford as a sort of a, almost as a more advanced one. And they, their plan was like seconds away from being executed perfectly. Huben hadn't really got that much. He had an early chance or two, but uh, 
the McElhenney pass at the end, two touches, and he sticks it away. I thought confidence. it was phenomenal. For I just McElhenney. thought it was, it was phenomenal for McElhenney, but and Georgie Kelly also coming on gave them the extra body and made the run, and that just gave a little bit of space. Which so uh, brilliant, for McElhenney, brilliant for McElhenney. But I just thought there was something really impressive and fitting about how he took that goal at the last minute. You know, they would have won the league anyway. It would have been a bit hollow, and the fact that they, they won it the way they did. Uh, officially was fitting and I mean Hoopman was very emotional afterwards Stephen Kenny was to a degree as well um, and, and naturally I think when you win the league there's a bit more chance to reflect and he was speaking afterwards I thought it was quite interesting about because one thing that's always going to be a stick to beat Hoopman with is his record in England like seven goals across whatever three years basically um, and McElhenney had this sort of stint at Oldham and I think you know Kenny can be guarded sometimes when it comes to maybe speaking about maybe international stuff and that type of thing. But he actually was very strong and, and his quotes are very strong about how, you know, McElhenney and, and Huben finding that actually the setups that they were at in England were inferior to what they have at Dundalk. Now, you can argue the toss over levels, but I think in terms of uh, physical conditioning and, and their preparation for games, I mean, the, both of them are now looking sharp when they weren't they were they weren't that in the clubs they were and a lot has come out subsequently about Oldham um and and the sort of the setup there not being great. But anyway, he his point was, you know, that four years ago he was at a college's press conference, I remember this in Abbottstown, and he f- said that he felt several of his players in that dressing room would be capped. And at the time people weren't so sure about it. Now Richie Tell didn't quite make the final cut this week, but if Tell goes on to follow Daryl Horgan and Andy Boyle, that'll be three. And his whole argument is that these boys, there's players there that can do it. Um, and he's went into a, a long enough piece saying that just because someone was not an instant success in League 2 doesn't mean anything. Have you seen some of the games there and the way that they're played? It's of no relevance to international football. So I don't know what you feel, lads, about that. Yeah, well, you certainly, I mean, you look at the, obviously the striking problems we have at the moment, and it is, it is strange that, that, that Pat didn't at least make that extended panel now. Do you think so, really? Because I'm not. I, 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 there hasn't been that same drive with regard to him that there was with regard to maybe maybe Horgan when he was here and and so on. Even Tell when he was here to a degree, but I mean, he, maybe Europe you could argue is the one thing that's been missing from the Huben record. Yeah, possibly all right, but I mean, at the same time, you're looking at like that amount of goals is phenomenal, and it's not a one-off season. It's not like this is a guy who's having one hot season and next season he'll revert back to a norm, like you get sometimes mm. with you know a flash in the pan striker. Like he's this is a, you know he is regularly scoring goals in the league, and if we had a dirt of options in that position well then yeah right he might be way 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 down the pecking order but list off the five or six strikers to me who are better options for us at the moment when Mm. you factor in the lack of playing time that the boys over in England are getting various different injuries Shawnee obviously great right it looks like he is going to be just back now in time and that kind of thing but I find it very hard to see that they're like I know it might sound ridiculous but you look at at a Shane Long if, if you're coming into a competitive game in which a centre forward might have two reasonable chances to finish in within that game. Let's say it's against Wales. Mm. You've got two reasonable chances. I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd back Pat Owen to finish the two of them because that's what he's been doing for the last nine months or whatever, however long we're going this season, is putting the ball in the back of the net when a chance arises. Shane Long, because of not getting games, because of injuries, all those kind of things, he hasn't been putting the ball in the back of the net yeah. because he hasn't been playing. The one other line from Kenny that I might say, it's not my fault that other coaches don't see what I see. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. Which is a striking line. And, and 
it's clear, Kev, that McElhenney and Hoobin also play better football when they're with Kenny as well. You Absolutely, know? yeah. And I totally, totally agree with what Shane said. They've, like, they're, they're banging form as well when our other options aren't in any form. Not that they're, they're fantastic options in the first place. Even if they were in decent form, you still would like to think there'd be room for, for Hoobin or and we say McElhenney as well because... We just don't have to. McElhenney should definitely... How McElhenney hasn't been in an Ireland squad is astonishing. Like. Yeah, well, but, but you know what will happen. Like, I mean, there is just this view within football. And I, I can sort of see where it comes from that we judge everything by the English ladder. Yeah. And it's like, well, McElhenney didn't cut it in League yeah. One and that's it. So he's not a... That's, that's what he is as a player. And I mean, I've... It's funny, Rude Doctor did a thing earlier this week and there's obviously very mixed views about Rude Doctor, I think. Um but he did make the point about needing to look outside the English ladder. And, and I totally agree because we just can't, there's no such thing as a criteria where he's a championship player, he's a League One player, he's a League Two player. It's, it's yeah, more because, complicated, it's yeah. more nuanced than that. You As know? you say, like the likes of McElhenney going and playing with Oldham, where he probably didn't see the ball for when he did play. They like, were in a relegation. Exactly. Their, their pitches are also. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, but, how I mean, can you. The Cardiff goalkeeper um, who was from, he was at Oldham. Um, I think he plays for the Philippines, but he was just saying how, and it was an absolute catastrophe at Oldham, it was that bad, and obviously financially they were in a mess, and a lot of these teams, like, it's like Burke now, they're, they're not playing in their natural but, position. But there would be, I mean, there would also be a sceptical view, the people would also look at McElhenney and say, oh, well, almost he didn't hack it, you know, he didn't mm. stick it out over there, that there's a question of mental strength or something, that, that will be the, the view, well, I'm, yeah, not, I'm not saying it's right, I'm yeah. just saying that that view will like, exist, I, you know. I, I wouldn't, I, I've never had a conversation with Patrick so he's not a fella I'd know very well or, or likewise Pat Hoban to be honest with you are not two fellas but just from the outside looking in they do strike me as two fellas who probably need to feel the love a bit alright um, and they certainly feel a lot the of love dairy lads from Stephen are, Kenny a lot of dairy sure. lads are homebirds one of whom um, is Michael Duffy and the big news is that he's signing well that's another that's another thing I mean and, and he is someone that we know without a shadow of a doubt that Martin O'Neill rates him because he's going through that FIFA transfer process at the moment which is you know, a complicated enough business to switch from Northern Ireland to Republic and, that, and when he does that it's permanent uh, you can't even if you go through the transfer process and, don't, and play. don't play you can't go back you can't reverse it so Michael Duffy's made a decision for life now I don't know it hasn't come up there's been other stuff going on this week I'm not sure how Martin O'Neill might feel about him signing the two year deal he might have felt that international recognition might be his chance to uh you know the, the were you the, the surprised to, yeah i was yeah i was I, I i knew that dundalk were trying hard to keep him i know the chamber grovers had made a pretty concerted attempt to sign him but i'm not sure if that really was ever grounded in the belief that they would get him um, what do you mean by that I, I, I just I, I think I think yeah I think you have to you have to if you think that someone if you know that someone's out of contract and he's one of the best players in the league then of course you're going to make have aspirations. Th- then of course you're going to make him an offer but I'm not sure if their if their offer was based on the belief they would actually get him you know I mean they were prepared to make a decent offer for him um, you could wonder what the rationale with that might be fair you can, enough you can leave it out there but um, with as well, of course. yeah and tried to sign didn't get him and I, I think Dundalk will probably keep the players they want to keep in the context of other clubs in the league and I think that's it's, it's probably a debate for another day I mean they're in a very very strong position like at the moment and keeping Duffy I think for everyone else in the league is there's an element of oh, oh dear I think you know in the sense that they've lost a good player every year for nothing and this year we're, they may not lose a, an essential like first team player I, I thought um, so, so, but the one thing I want to say about Duffy of course is it doesn't mean that he's going to stay for two years that's exactly what like, I was yeah, like the, 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 key, the key point is that the dog's position is protected here so if he starts next season 
in Sean Maguire, Graham Burke style, and they have a European game in the summer. But then he might well go in the summer, particularly if he's in an Ireland squad, but they might get, I don't know, 400 I, grand from him. And that's, think, a different, uh, that's a different situation. I think Dundalk deserve credit because they've managed their riches quite well in that the players don't seem to have fallen out over one lad being on more than the other. And there isn't a massive imbalance there, which I thought was going to be a challenge after the Europa League money came in. I thought, how will they pay lads proper wages, but not like piss off lads who are on maybe less money? And there just doesn't seem to be any. You, you know, obviously, a couple of the ex-Goy United lads. It just seems to be a good squad. Yes, they're def- it's amazing how, there, there, as you say, there does appear to be very little kind of dysfunction or disharmony in there, really, so there is. And I suppose, it, again, you know, an old kind of heaping praise on... on Stephen, but rightly so, it, it kind of comes back to, you know, the whole uh, the, the, the legacy book and the, the whole New, Ze- New Zealand thing of in the squad, their phrase was, was quite simply, no dickheads allowed. Um, yeah. You he look at Dundalk and it, it reminds you of that. You're, you're looking at it and you're just going, very hard to see any bad eggs in there or very hard to see anybody who would, you know, rock things on you or, or be a bad influence. He just seems to recruit really, really solid characters and personalities doesn't he I, I just mm. got to add as well I thought Pats were very very good and Gerald Bryan is obviously doing a, a temporary job there but um, they played Desmond centre back or centre midfield rather and uh, I thought they, they were excellent Dan actually you know and um, I was in Tala for uh, Cork and Rovers so I, I was kind of came back out of that game and I was kind of you know questioning where my life was going really it was pretty dull <laughs> but uh, I put on then how, how many times would you do that in an average week lost, on, especially in, in the Oval on Monday night in recent weeks but uh, yeah. then I put on the, the game um, so I watched the game I don't know if you saw it Shane but I uh, thought, thought Pat showed a lot of promise for a team that have kind of been basically mid-table this season yeah oh yeah you're a big fan of Lee Desmond, of course. I am a big fan of Lee Desmond. I actually managed to miss watching the game live as I went to London to watch Barca and Spurs on Wednesday night and miss my flight home on Friday. That was a good workout. On Friday? Yeah, we were staying for a few days. I was, I was just going to say, what were we doing on Thursday? <laughs> yeah, stayed for a few days and managed to make a hames and things on Friday, but I did. I watched it back on Saturday. You're not with your little lad over there? No, we left oh, no. him behind. Okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. For a few days, so we did. Um, yeah, look, I watched it back the next day. Um, like I was saying to you that if if Gerald Bryan is the man who has managed to talk Lee Desmond into signing that new contract, that puts Gerald Bryan in, in, in pole position for getting the job because that's easy. He's done if you know, in terms of management, you can talk about motivation, you can talk about tactics, you can talk about everything. Recruiting players, recruiting the best players you can possibly well. get. With all due respect to Pats, I was amazed that Desmond um, stayed. I really it's a was. Superb sign. He's a brilliant player. He's a really, really brilliant player. I remember at the end of at the end of Sean Hoare's last season at Pats, I was kind of thinking to myself, they'll have to enjoy the last month or so that they get with this lad. Now he's going to be on the way off to, to the likes of a Dundalk at the end of the season, and it happened straight away. And yeah, I was in the same mindset this time around. I thought. Pat's better enjoyed last It's interesting that Ger um, put him in there as well because I think Ger was instrumental in them going three five two under Buckley and then they changed it up again on um, on Friday night. But uh, it was it was a very enjoyable game. I thought, um, apart, and the game in Tallah certainly wasn't. I thought Rovers would go on and win that game. Cork, and in fairness to Cork, they 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 really battled in the second half, and that kind of I suppose carried into the cup. Yeah, I don't think I think Desmond now. I think mm-hmm. they, they I think you would have had. Uh, decent offer probably from Rovers too but I think uh, Pats have done a sensible deal as well that there may be a su- suggestion there you that uh, if you know if, if an offer comes in at some point from overseas then it might be more favourable and, and, and you play the, you play the game really when it comes Lee's to that I, I had Lee, Lee was at Shells and he's really level headed young for like you know he wouldn't be 
necessarily attracted by bigger offers uh, elsewhere if he's happy with his, with his life and his football and stuff. And I know he is very happy there. He uh, he came back from Newcastle and came back came into us and he, he sort of played for the 19s for a while. It took him a while to get going again. But once he got there, as you say, Shane, he's a fantastic player. He could play left back, he could play centre half, he could play uh, that role in midfield. He doesn't really. give the ball away. No, and, he's, he's, and again, he's, he's, he's so, he's one of the most laid back young players I ever dealt with. And he's, he's like, I could see why his head wouldn't necessarily be torn for what you might think that the grass is greener on the other side because he's, he's happy where he is. Yeah, and I think, I think it's, it's, it is probably better for the league to a degree. Like he's associated with Pats now and, and Darren Markey as well. And that, you know, it's a, there's always going to be jumping from club to club and that's the game and it's going to be the Wild West every winter in terms yeah. of like, but it is better. You don't, you don't want too many inter-Dublin transfers. They, Absolutely. They can, they can sort of demoralise people and, and, and we'll probably talk about Bowes now in a minute that it's obviously the challenge they face now that they've put themselves in the shop window, those lads, and Bowes don't really have the muscle to keep them like, yeah. like the other clubs might. Um, and, and you don't you don't want it, you know. I, I, of course, there will always be movement, but someone like Desmond or Markey, if they'd both say, I'm not sure if Markey had the interest, but if they'd both gone to Rovers or something this winter, yeah, it's it a bit, Yeah, it takes away from it. Because there's always, like going back over the years, there's always fellas associated with particular clubs. And it was a time, God, only maybe, not even 10 years ago, that we're playing for the three or four of the Dublin clubs it didn't really happen like they might have one or two like I remember Joseph and Doe maybe was one of the first in a while that had done it and Mark Rutherford I think yeah I think Gary O'Neill probably did it in the yeah, end didn't he yeah, uh, but there yeah. seems to be like I mean you could probably name 20 of them now like you know and it is a bit you do like to have that identity and have players that you can that just well, the, the one year contracts were shambles in that regard it's, because yeah. I, I thought it really brought down fans kind of relationship with the club when that like what's why do I care if he's playing for Brave when he was with Drogheda last year particularly and I mean Pats have started to try and do some community stuff now as well and they need players there that are sort of synonymous with the club to a degree and, and yeah I, I, I mean in fairness like you look at the uh the situation now, I think Pats Rovers are in the semi-finals of the under-15, 17 and 19s league. They've, all, they've managed to draw each other in all the games as well, which is almost incredible. Um, but you know, they've got, I mean, Rovers have their own players coming through that are going to be very much associated with that club as well. Now, Rovers do need to recruit. There's no doubt they need to, they need to find three or four, five really good players if they're going to sort of... Five. If I think so. If they're going to... If they're going to... Well, if they're going to if the bar is competing with Dundalk, then yes. I'll tell you one thing, they're not conceding goals at the moment at all. They've literally just, I think they've conceded about two and ten games or something. It's amazing. Though. Yeah, no, um, Grace is like, when you know Lee Grace, <laughs> again, Shane, it feels like we're just going over, like, uh, players <laughs> you your, lost, players you let go. Like, you know, <laughs> this is your life. This is your life sponsored this is, this by, is like, you know, Prozac. This is your strike. I like yeah, that. No said it. Um, yeah. The other results, just to mention as well, Limerick lost at home to Derry. Limerick, a lot of kind of negative stuff coming out of there. Not so much negative in, in the showground. Sligo in front of around 2,500 fans. And I think their 2-1 win over Bray was their first win in the league at home since they beat Bray in the first round of games, I think, which is absolutely astonishing. Uh, and then Bowes won Watford 3. And Watford, by Bowes not getting through to the cup final, um, have made Europe. And in fairness to... And Rovers, of course. And, and, and Rovers, rather. And in fairness to Alan Reynolds, Kev... Um, that's a fair achievement for a team that just got promoted, regardless oh, yeah. of the resources they Absolutely, had. yeah. Look, I, I know, I know it's just when you mentioned the resources there, it was obviously spoken about, and they, they had a really good squad in the first division, and then they, they really, really uh, improved it going into the Premier Division. But I'm sure that if they would have, there would have been some people that asked, they're nailed on for Europe or they're nailed on. But it's they, not it's a symptom, Absolutely that. not, no. Certainly not. To get the, 
the gel of, of the squad get it right and the balance and the mix of new players and lads that have gotten you different there different personalities nationalities the work absolutely like, yeah. yeah they certainly have we played them in the in the in the cup and even the likes of Noel Hunt coming back in and um, they, they had Vigoru the goalkeeper the start and all as you say different nationalities different uh, careers that the lads were stages of their careers the lads were at and trying to get that blend the likes of Kenny Brown going back in there and stuff. I know he was there in the first division, but gave them that sort of local bit of identity as well, mm. where maybe the supporters that we're talking about can You mentioned the cup as well there, because um, Rovers losing to you guys in the cup, I thought, was a big stain on their season. Um, but where is, is their management team now? Because I, there doesn't seem to be much talk about what will happen now, and that they, there's an, almost an expectation that Stephen Bradley will get another season. Um, and... Dan has made the point that it's kind of like a horse who finishes well without winning, that you can be flattered with that. They're finishing the season very well, but they're still miles behind the dock. So what will happen there, do you think? And there just seems to be a, the stand behind the goal is practically built. The, the place looked great the other night. They're a very good side. I thought Watts was unbelievable at times. What do you think will happen there, Shane? Yeah, look, I, I think he'll certainly be in charge at, at the start of next season. And... There, look, there can be no doubt. It's absolutely going to be his make-or-break season now. I don't mm. think there can be any, you know, any justification for for underperforming. You'd imagine that he'll be given a nice um, budget to work with. Obviously, the bazooka money is 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 very big money in terms of League of Ireland stuff. Um, They've insured European money again. You've got the European money again. Um, I think you'll see some some major major moves from them in the off season in terms of of recruitment the personnel. Who should they be signing? Yeah, that's what that's what I was thinking. It's going to be interesting to see who they go after or where where are they trying to pull they the players from. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. As I good as Dan Carr is, and he's quite isolated, they probably do need another striker or two. Yeah, they do. Who? Like you look at the league and you this say this is it. Like and and I think last year, like Stephen, you know, he, he took a couple of gambles. Like he brought in Gilchrist, say from Scotland, and and brought in Dan Carr, which I think still worked. Whether you think he's well. like it was it yeah. was good recruitment, like to pick up him. A couple of others, maybe you can argue it didn't work out, but. Um, Sean a, 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 couple, a couple of Sean Cavanagh did well to get him he was a bit of a last minute thing it wasn't really a, he was with Derry you know it wasn't sort of a master plan uh, move um, and I, you'd imagine the likes of Gary Shaw maybe will move on and, and there will there will be opportunities there but yeah I, I'm a bit struck by this like you know where are the, the sure bets I mean Desmond was a sure bet you know he's someone that you know well, he knows this league you know inside but out. as a centre forward sure bets are even like how yeah. like where so Basic right. Obviously, there's an awful lot. They more have Aaron it. Green as well now, but they he hasn't, hasn't really well. played that well so far. I, I, and Aaron Green is a, is a very good League of Ireland player, but um, we're talking. Can, can we're he talking do what Pat did this year? First here, can he do know? what Pat did this year? Can he do what Shawnee did last year? That's Rovers That's need the to find the, yeah. the, the player of and I, that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's the striker per se as well at times. I think their midfielders don't really back up the forward player enough, and the forward player is often quite isolated. I do. I do. It's it's hard for Carr or Shaw or Green. Anytime I've watched Rovers, a lot of the time. The link-up is nowhere near it is at Dundalk in terms of the midfield helping out the striker, in my view. Yeah, no, look, that's that's fair enough. All right, so it is. Um, I would argue that, yeah, the quality... Yeah, yeah, that's a good point because the quality of player behind Dan Carr isn't probably on a par. Well, look, no team is on a par with Dundalk in terms of the quality yeah. of, of, of supply line that Pat is getting. And the width that they have Dundalk doesn't exist at Rovers where they have two full-backs. But they, 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 have, they, sort of, they have Watts, they have Ronan Finn, they have the two Bulgers, like they have really good players. Sam Bone has been doing players, well as well. But it's, it's, it's more so the overall sort of cohesion and well, cohesion, strength in certain areas. Cohesion you know? is a good word because I think the interesting thing is going to be how do they marry together the, the new faces that are potentially the big, the big names and how do you still get 
one of these, well, more than one. They're probably going to want two or three of these young fellows who've come through to production line to play 20-plus games next yeah. season. Can you win a league title with teenagers yeah. playing 20-plus games? And the thing you? is, I know we say, and, and it will always hang over Cork, that Cork won the league. You know, Maguire won Cork the league, right? But there was also Maguire, and then there was the Dooley-Shepherd aspect Absolutely. that allowed Maguire to thrive. And with Hooban, it's, you know, it's the Duffy, okay, they've mixed things around a bit on the right side, but, you know, the latter half of the season, McGrath, McElhenney, and so on. It's, with Rovers, like, there's some good players there, but it's actually, even if you bring in that talismanic figure you're speaking about mm. you might need to leave out one of your better players who may not be suited to that you know whatever sort of allows them to flourish and that's the problem they're playing catch up whereas Dundalk don't need to recharge much over the winter you know they need to almost they all be they, shedding players they, they need to sort of tweak things and maybe bring in a really good right-sided player you know to sort of maybe push them on a bit there like they're, they've got a head start on the others Cork needs to do a bit of rebuild okay on that then who's the biggest the threat to Rovers next season and did the biggest threat to Dundalk. who to Dundalk and did, did, your, did your mind change on Cork uh, at all how they're finishing the season because they obviously beat well yeah we should move on to Cork Rose. Uh, the biggest threat to Dundalk at the moment I don't think there is one alright Okay, what, what did you make of the... I didn't see the game, obviously, on, on um, the replay, but what did you make of it? Yeah, I, I don't know. That goal. Kev was too busy. Was, <laughs> it was about 12 o'clock that night. Yeah, so Kev uh, <laughs> yeah, was other things going on. Uh, in fact, as Cork were back to themselves in the first sort of half, and they were... You know, they, they've probably regained a bit of the uh, no-one-likes-us sort of thing, where there was a real... I mean, they were... They were fully at it, you know, and aggressive. And you think of the game against Dundalk recently in Turner's Cross, it was amazing how flat it was, really. That was the disappointment. A player actually mentioned after the game, a Cork player, he said, um, we're actually quite suited by the siege mentality. It suits them. And they, were, they, and they, they now, Bowes were a bit unlucky with sort of, they missed having Dan Kelly and missed having Casey. Uh, but Cork just didn't let them breathe, really. And uh, they won the game well, as much as the Morris goal was absolutely amazing. And it gave Bowes a bit of life for the last 20, 30 minutes. Did and Cork deserved to win. I know they did, yeah. yeah, yeah. They, did, they deserved to win, but at the same time, the second half still made you think, well, actually, there's still frailty there. And, I mean, if you, if you turned off the game at half-time, you would say, just Corker, just Corker really back. Now, they've got a real chance in the final, but the, to succeed in the final, they probably need to make the game as uncomfortable as possible for them. On that note, and, actually. And, so and maybe not make it a great game. Yeah, and that's, we don't want that. But, but, but that's what, on but that that's note, what they I, want. I thought, I thought Keith Long's comments were a little bit unfair. Now, I didn't watch the game, but I thought they were a little bit un, ungracious in the sense of Cork had beaten them, and I'd, he called it agricultural. And it, Munster Derby facts on Twitter today, um, Bohemian's manager Keith Long has continued to criticise the agricultural endeavours of his Cork City counterpart, John Caulfield. Quote, we prefer a small community, non GMO bespoke urban farming system up here, he told the media, which is a bit of a dig at bows and all that. Johnny, you can't get. Uh, yeah, but I'd say, I thought nothing long, worse than harsh comments about Cork. I mean, when people just rain in their comments, I, sometimes. Thought, I thought it was a bit ungracious in the sense that they deservedly had beaten them and they'd gone to um, a cup final. And this is like an unbelievably kind of consistent run from Cork in terms of getting to cup finals. Um, but on that goal, somebody said to me last night, McNulty should have saved it. I've heard that for you before, but oh, hang on, was this John Malloy? I can't say. Yeah, that. he's talking absolute garbage. To be honest, yeah, absolute like, garbage. He, he was I, I think there's an element of he should have. He watches all his games on TV, so he's just got a different oh. view, view of these things. I, I think, I think it was an unbelievable strike, which got over one million uh, hits already on Twitter. I think, or certainly across social media, more than that. I think he possibly should have saved us. 
past. The, the wind. He got the, a touch. The wind was behind. He did get a touch. He got he? a touch. That's the Still, killer. Even to get the touch, I think was good. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a fair. The wind yeah. was behind. The wind was a gust. Now the wind. The goal probably was the one thing. If you're chipping away at the goal, was there was a wind assisted element to it. Yeah. I remember watching. Uh, Who cares? Do- Donald Brown scored a goal Donald for the Brown. years ago. It was from around sixty yards. <laughs> at the time, I thought it was the best ever goal. But now I just think maybe it was. You know, it was sort of many a, hits to that guy. <laughs> I don't know. Donald Brown is just annoying that he was good for forty hits on the old dial-up internet. Thirty of them get up halfway yeah. through. <laughs> uh, but no, it, it, it was an unbelievable. But like the promotion of the league within twenty-four hours, I had nearly a million hits on Twitter. What a strike! Like absolutely fantastic. Like I know people are joking about the. The postcast. Somebody found the postcast committee quick, but it, like, well, it, worst goals have won it. Absolutely, including yeah. the most recent one. <laughs> That's um, for sure. As well as that, though, Dan, like he's heavily involved in Bo's off the pitch, you know, management and that. It's just a great story that Morris should get it. Like, well, no, I, but see, now there's obviously a Bo's fan in our office, and you know it is. He was going absolutely spare over this because for Bo's, their season was ended by Monday, and I think the news in RC yesterday, you know, Chirpy going, and after the break, Ian Morris on his wonder goal. It's like that for like. The one people like the Bose fans aren't taking much comfort from this. The They've Bo- had a great. I'm season. sure Morris. Like, I'm sure deep down like, he's getting all these messages from his mates, thinking this is great. But still, it was an absolutely sickening night for them because they were five minutes away from a cup final a week before. And I mean, it, it, we could go into a different debate. We don't have time. We need to go into the All Ireland League stuff. I mean. It was a great goal. It was live on TV, so the package could be sent out straight away. Yeah. If it happened on a Friday night league game, you'd have to wait 72 hours, and it might be in a, in a ground where there's a van or houses or something behind the goal. There are virtually goal. no uh, grounds you know, with in, that in, in Turner's goal. Cross, you want every goal, you want every goal scored there. You know, or uh, even the other end. But it was, it was great to see. It was great to see them back to the cork that they can be um, in the game because were they agricultural? But but they need not that they need to be, but. So my take on it is because Coleman's uh, came back. I, and I, I, I listen to your stick of John Caulfield and wanting John Caulfield moved on. I think you need a box in the jaw. So you know, <laughs> there's only one way to <laughs> beat Dundalk. Give it to me now, are you? <laughs> there's only one way to beat Dundalk, and that's to come at them with a completely different style. I'm not, why not would, about why Dundalk. Would, I'm on about every other week of the year. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Enough, but it, there can be no doubt in the cup final, Cork are surely the only side in the league who will be able to give Dundalk a serious rattle I don't know about that now like I, I, like Rovers are well capable of giving Dundalk a game um, Watford on their day are um, well I, I, what I think is funny about Cork that there's an almost element of coming back to basics and even towards the end like Alan Bennett came in for the cup final last year having not played for a part of the season you had Morrissey the other, the other night in full flow that the, the old sort of dogs of war almost yeah. come back out and yeah. that's what they got back the other night that it, yeah. And it is a criticism of Caulfield that they lost that. Yeah. that. Something was clearly wrong that they lost whatever purpose is it is that has driven them through his era. And they, you know, they had a really flaccid defeat to Dundalk on their home patch where they were dominated for the almost sort of 75 out of 90 minutes. But they've somehow managed to regain it somehow. Marcy yeah. came on at halftime in Tala. He was absolutely outstanding. And, you know, Sadler went off for him. Sadler had an awful first half. Yeah. And he was one of the new signings. I don't think neither he nor McNamee have done quite as well as they should have talent-wise. But Morrissey came in and you're just like, he's been missing for a lot of the season. Well, that's a, yeah. Isn't that yeah. injury? Like, Yeah, look, I mean, right, it's a little bit of, obviously, other teams are capable of giving Dundalk a game. But in terms of, of that one-off game, like, I just don't think anybody else trying to play Dundalk on Dundalk's terms it's, it's mission I thought there was, a slight, there was a slight fear that Bose would have tried to do that in the final no no Bose are very well coached they're savvy but 
they do they're an attractive side and you know they've Morris playing the ball out from the back I did wonder how it might have worked in a cup final would they have changed things dramatically um, that is a question I mean Kev how would you set up to, if you're playing on dog tomorrow how would you approach it exactly what Shane is saying like it's, it's although I'd say the vast majority of the country didn't want to see a, a, another Cork Dundalk final I, I, looking at it if it had been Dundalk both Dundalk would have been absolutely overwhelming favourites and as you say, as much as well as, as Bowes do, have done all season and has been fantastic and, and, and Keaton Trevor have been brilliant, Dundalk could have hammered them like in the final, I think, if they mm. were if Dundalk were right at it. As Shane says, with Cork, they've beaten them the last couple of times, in it. They can play these big occasions. They know how to set up against them, albeit they didn't do well in the last game when, when Chris Shields scored that goal. Um, I certainly think the team most capable of making a proper final over will be Cork. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Before as well, we get to um, the Harps game. Michael O'Connor obviously was at Harps earlier in the season. Um, he scored the goal for Linfield against Glentorn at the game I was at the other night. But because I was up there in a bit of a jolly up, I just said I'd do a small bit of work. So I interviewed uh, a few fans. Basically, I got collected by a Glentorn fan at the um, train station. We then went on to Dundella Social Club, which is in East Belfast. They're in the championship, I think. And then we went on to the Oval, so I canvassed a few... And what was, your, what was your question to the fans? Basically, as we mentioned, it was more or less along the lines of what would you think of an All-Ireland League? And obviously, Glen Thorne would be a traditionally strong Protestant club, um, obviously with Catholic fans, but they're East Belfast, so maybe it's a little bit different asking a Glen Thorne fan than asking a Cliftonville yeah, fan. Yeah, of course. Mm. Um, it might be different asking a Glen Thorne fan to a Linfield fan as well, but... I didn't really have access to Linfield fans. That's not, that's not how it works up there when uh, these two uh, teams meet. So anyway, these are some of the responses that I got. I think we would probably take reasonable numbers, but I know from the start of this, Atlanta to the end, the numbers dra- uh, tailed off drastically. Um, I suppose it depends how successful we are. Going to the likes of Dublin is an easy, is an easy journey, and it's probably... You know, an R45 down the road, certainly for the, the North London clubs, or sorry, the North Dublin clubs. Um, so, you know, it's it's something that I think a, a lot of Glens fans would, would happily do. Um, I think at All-Ireland League would certainly boost the profile, Absolutely. but whether there's the support um, for it up here or I not. I think as I'm a group, like we try to do things differently than normal supporters clubs in uh, Northern Ireland we always try to take the train everywhere and try and make a day out and you know land into the town at opening time going to Derry in December like we're going to make an overnight over of it because that's probably our furthest away trip this season but we've always said as a group like you know when you've had a few beers now you wouldn't you not love Cork away Waterford away Galway away for the weekend we're sure to really open to the idea of uh you know, spend the weekend away. And much like England, we nearly took it from English fans because we won't watch like football in England, Scotland too. Sort of tried to bring that in the Irish league. Irish league is different because it's such a short away day. But if it was an All Ireland, you know, we would be doing our weekends and going. It's only two hours to Dublin as well. Yeah, exactly. You can get the Dublin no time. Like it's only hundred mile. The Dublin games, you probably, you mean, you could go down the first train, come home the last train, no problem. The further away ones, Cork, Galway. That do- the distance doesn't bother me at all. Okay, I actually embrace it. I think. Yeah, I'd be happy enough. Um, especially when the clans get a wee bit stronger now, I'd, I'd quite happy, and we'd take big crowds. I think. And you do bring big crowds, though. We do. Mm. I'd say we're one of the best supported teams in the in the whole country. I would think. Mm. Uh, uh, I think the crowds from down south, they don't bring up a good crowd. Now, when we go down, we bring a half decent crowd. Coming the other way, I wouldn't. Doesn't 
they don't come up at all. So it's going to be quite a bit of that in the travelling. And uh, I mean, we know where you're from. You're from Galway. From, we went down to Cork. We actually had to fly down to Cork. So I don't think an All Ireland League would do anybody any good. I think that's why I think uh, Derry City's women's team was placed up in the Northern League what you because the journeys are uh, a bit of a golfing class between the top teams and the bottom teams and and it, yeah I, I think uh, I, I'd be all for that idea I think it would really grow football down here I think both leagues have developed pretty well actually over the last couple of seasons I think the strength's gone up uh, considering the amount of players that are now successful going over from both leagues across the water and, and I think uh, that it can only it can only boost football as a whole and attract more players down south and, and attract bigger attendances and give more bigger games during the course of the season. Even before then, I moved to Dublin, you know, like I, I would love to stand the cup, uh, even though it kind of came about two years after we were pretty good. Like um, we got some bad results in stand the cup, but I always enjoyed the day out. If I felt actually support Leeds in England, and if if there's an All Ireland League, I probably wouldn't go to a Leeds match again because it, the All Ireland League would be enough for me. Just it's a sense of when you go and watch football, you don't want to just go 40 minutes down the road, you want to go two, three hours down the road, you want to get trains, you want to stop off in Dublin for a pint, like, you know, it catches my imagination big time, like, and I just think it would be good for everyone, like, and you look at big things, the big thing for everyone now is European money, and I just think if there's an All-Iron League, it would just up our levels again, and you maybe wouldn't lose your Gavin Whites and, and people like that to, to England, because you would get that All-Ireland feel. It would be a really competitive league. And the only thing I would say as a Glen Torn fan is we're kind of struggling to compete in Northern Ireland. So for a Southern Irish league, like I want us just to go in there strong. And I think it would catch the imagination. One thing Glen Torn ha- one thing it hasn't dropped, it's dropped a wee bit, but it, ha- it hasn't dropped is the support. If we, we travel everywhere, I do believe we're the biggest support in Ireland traveling. Like we, we bring, crowd to Cork we'd bring a crowd to Dublin no hassle like uh, this is vaguely relevant because I think some people spoke about this maybe lately like Michael O'Neill has mentioned it um, Shane what are your thoughts now b- bear in mind it was just it was kind of an excuse for me just to ask because I want to ask an Torn fan so it's not all that topical but it's something that I, I still feel quite strongly about you see when you ask what the thoughts are there's, there's the theory and there's the practicality and we can discuss the theory behind it and I think you could put forward a fair argument that in theory it is a very good idea but it's a pointless conversation because in practicality it's never going to happen. Like Why? It's just too many agendas, too many too many people with too many looking after their own corner. Too many blazers. Yeah, there's, there's just, I can't see it happening. Can, uh, I, I, I mean, <laughs> if the countries unite, which is be an interesting talking point for this uh, podcast, might be going on the spec of it. That's the problem. I mean, where is the precedent for a marriage league anywhere? I know there's always a consistent debate that, you know, will, uh, you know, leagues in Europe, will there be a European Super League and then will, will the Balkan leagues move together and, and so on? And, you know, we always have, there's these little test cases everywhere um, and little anomalies like Derry playing in the Republic, you know, is, and, and, and these things exist. But, I mean, Swansea ultimately, like, the Northern Irish national team, if you've ever gone to a Northern Irish national team game, game right? Now, I know that there's issues there because there's, there's two communities and, it's, and the argument with, say, a lot of the Derry lads going to play for the Republic is that almost... It, it almost makes the... homogenizes the Northern Irish team in terms of one side of the community, right? But... There's a, for a whole section of fans, in Northern, the Northern Irish national team is about their identity. The league is about their identity. It's about who the they league. are. Yeah, like I, I mean, I, I've gone up to the Northern Irish football writers dinner when the Satanta Cup exists. It's only a small thing. But 
Um, and the welcome you get, by the way, is, is unbelievable. Like, you know, uh, what you've experienced, you've spoken about it before. But I remember going and there was like, a, you know, they read out and the winners of the Cups this year in the league was, the Santa Cup wasn't even mentioned. Like, it didn't even get an airing at all. And I asked someone, I was like, no, they don't really tend to mention it, that Santa Cup was something that was on the side, but it's their league, their cup, their competitions. And... You talk about the practicalities of an All-Ireland League. You're talking about eight European places becoming four. You're talking about uh, so the associated funds that go with that uh, going. You're talking about the reality that maybe uh, only a handful of clubs in Northern Ireland would be up to it uh, in the short term, in the short to medium term. I don't think anyway, you can debate that at all. In the short to medium. So you have a whole raft of clubs, more so even than you would down here, being sort of cut adrift in some way. And, and ultimately, you couldn't have a marriage league and then have two separate national teams. I don't see how you could actually do that. And, I mean, if, if that's a stumbling block, it's never going to The European places alone just make it an absolute non-runner. How, I, I, how, I, I, why would teams I went agree? up to ask, well, teams would agree because you would have to put a, a package to them that this would be um, hugely funded in some shape or form by sponsorship and possibly by governments and obviously by the organisations where you'd have a much, much stronger league. Obviously, you're, use, you're losing four European places, but there were 4,500 people at that game. Ah, but that's, that's, that's Lentorn, yeah, Linfield, But it's just that's the potential a, of them case. two clubs. Right? Clentorn are not in a particularly good way at the moment. Um, there are as many people at that game, more or less, as there was but, the FEI Cup semi-final replay at Turner's Cross. Um, you have a, a pretty strong... A lot of money going into Larne at the moment. Derry City is in Northern Ireland as well. That's another... Whether we like it or not, that's... Uh, well, uh, that'll there. make you popular. You, you yeah. have, it's Derry City is in Northern <laughs> that'll Ireland. That'll make you popular, yeah. Yeah. It, it is, it is. So Cliftonville, um, as a strong sort of club from, we'll say, the nationalist community in Belfast, they're sort of four teams off the top of my they head. They will all have to go full-time professional. Like, they're kind of lads going I think on holidays during European going, yeah. games. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying that it's... I, I, in theory, I love the idea. In theory, I would love if it was an All-Ireland League. We have to get Kev's view yep. In theory, I would love an All-Ireland League, right? But I'm just saying that in practice, uh, there are too many obstacles... Uh, and too many differences. And also, I mean, when the Santa Cup happened as well, like, we, you know, the novelty faded over a while because... The well. names of players down here didn't mean a huge amount to people up there and vice versa. It wasn't a draw. It wasn't a pull. Like, after the first couple of trips and the novelty faded, it wasn't there. And you would need everyone to be on the same page. And I would love it. I would love it if it was plausible. But I don't think it's remotely plausible. Yeah, 100%. In theory, absolutely would be. I think it would be, be brilliant if you had... Even you could have two. You could have three divisions. You could, then no. you could have 16 teams. Absolutely. You know, That's like, exactly you what I'm know. thinking. And, and then whatever the fourth division or championship, whatever it would be called, would be a proper season of 16 teams or 18 teams or whatever. I'd probably regionalise the leagues under it then maybe. Something well, possibly. Like well, again, it's going to going to finish with in theory great but in, in practical terms it just is for all the reasons and, and, and as you both Shane and Dan said the European thing alone is and I just can't see the money that they could lose teams or clubs or associations wanting that to happen that it's, 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 the, the European money coming in would, would be basically halved yeah. and then you say about being funded and, and the government and stuff they can't like, would you see that happening really yeah uh, and it, also the fans were quite positive there but I just think when it comes down to it you know, there would be a lot of people in officialdom and involved with clubs who are unbelievably welcoming, you know, when we go up there, but they're welcoming in the sense that, you know, this is about our identity and, and we are here and you were there. Would they really, really, really want it? Like, I don't think so. Yeah, no. I, I, I tend to no. disagree with you on that, but that's, that's a fair point. But the way things are going, Theresa May and uh, Boris Johnson could get us over the line without <laughs> even bothering them, um, being honest, like... Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> Although I didn't mention that in the over. Yeah. Um, so why why didn't you? I mean, they're, like, they're, I actually they're future league comrades. Like, I, could have just brought it all up I, in the I, spirit of I unity. Asked a, I asked a few of them how they voted on Brexit. And, um, yeah, but that was while um, we were watching Roy Carroll... Um, Comfortably save a shot um, at the at the at the the end of the goal. The Glentoran fans were there, but um, anyway, that that was uh, a brief interlude there. Kev, the big ticket at the weekend is Drogs versus Ollie Horgan's Finn Harps. Yeah. And, uh, unfortunately, you're not going in as strong as you could be. No, no, we we'll be down a couple. Um, obviously, Jake, as we spoke before, is our captain. Will be missing. And, we have a few more that are nursing and stuff from, from the other night, so we don't really know. We didn't, we didn't train yesterday. They did their own recovery. We're, we're training later today and see how we are. I've had a few phone calls and texts, and Tim has, and we'll have to just get through the next day or two and try and get them refreshed tomorrow and, and, and see what we have uh, for Friday. It's, the turnaround is it's tough for, for part-time players. That Again, speaking of me being working, po- we two postmen starting the other night like as well and two postmen on yeah, the pitch yeah Paul Skinner is our goalkeeper and he delivered Chris Lyons, yeah. <laughs> Chris Lyons delivered the other night and scored but like you know as I said they were sorry actually I retract that yeah. <laughs> I cut that out of the edit <laughs> they were up again five o'clock on, on uh, what's it Tuesday morning and they're in war and so it is tough on the body drugs like, and three postmen at the club that's mad three yeah yeah it's a lot of, it's a lot in the league in fairness there is it's a lot. it suits the, it does suit the, the, the job like I mean you'd be finished early enough in the day and Another uh, in Gary Beckett. Gary Beckett was a postman. He as well, was, yeah, he? yeah. Royal no. Mail, though. That's another. Maybe yeah. another. <laughs> <laughs> go back to your previous conversation. I, I, I think. I think the Bill most. Mr. Red post boxes. Yeah. I still think my, my, my favorite thing about the about um, the South after partition was just painting the post boxes green and leaving the crown on them. I thought that was just the most Irish solution ever. <laughs> and you're all, even to this day, you can see the crown on all our post boxes. But um, yeah. have they any chance, Shane? It's <laughs> We've got our independent post boxes, but I wonder what will happen in Coronation Street tonight. <laughs> they absolutely do, Johnny. You're, you're talking Ollie Horgan them. will say that they're... Well, Kevin's made a fair effort of trying to out Ollie Ollie there, has he, in fairness to So he has, but um, no, they do. Look, they've, they've, they've got a fine side, so they have... There's, look, there's no getting away from the fact that Jake will, will be a colossal loss. Um, and talking to Kev, there is certainly one or two very important players that they're waiting on, on just to see when those suspensions are going to come through. Um, but they've, they've a fine side, so they haven't... They've got a very... Very functional side. What I really like about G when you when you come up against G is like everybody. Everybody really knows the role. Everybody really. You you just take care of your little job on the pitch, and let everybody else take care of theirs. There's no sense of ego about you whatsoever. Oh, no, um, very much, yeah. Absolutely not. And then you've got. That's not to say that you don't have, have players. I mean, in Kieran Kelly and, and, and Conor Kane, I think you've two of the best young players in, in the country coming through. I think they're, they're absolutely two fantastic lads, so they are. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll give it a look. If I'm honest, I, I would have to say I, I would see Harps as, as big favourites. They're in fantastic form, so they are um, doing really, really well. And as I say, Jake will be a big loss, but the lads will, the lads will give it a right rattle. Yeah, and, yeah, and I, I suppose you know, you're... You're potentially going into that sort of Lions End scenario in the second leg again. That's the thing. So you know, yeah. going up there, I, assume, I think their crowds have been okay towards the end of the season, Harps. But and, and you'd imagine they'll respond to the playoffs. Through, yeah. But maybe you can sort of feed off that in a oh, positive way. You well, know? definitely. Yeah, like we've we've, we've come through it already, and and even a, a fair few of of the the squad are still remaining from the last playoff. Uh, victory they had like and they come through. They were two two behind in the, mm. in the first leg and came back and won three 0 Like so, the fair few of them are still there, they've come through it before, the experience the other night, the bizarre experience of playing against nine men and for so long, and after the first leg was an absolute battle, and 
It's, we know we've we probably covered, throughout the season, we've probably covered every scenario where we've been. I hope we've been up by six goals, five goals after 20 minutes. We've been down 2-0 at half-time a couple of times and come back three times, actually. So we, we've been down after a first leg already. So whether we win, lose or draw tomorrow, we know going into the, the, the second leg that we, we have covered all the bases before. You just need to get banished to the stands to complete the set for the season. Oh, well, look, yeah, well, hopefully, I, hopefully I won't. I don't think... Uh, Too nice a guy, you think, Kevin. Uh, sure, look, I wouldn't. I would never cause any trouble. Uh, the, the second leg is on Friday week Following then as well, Friday, yeah. and we've uh, kind of series of dead rubber games in the Premier Division. Cork will beat Limerick at home, Dan, are we in agreement? I would have thought so, yeah. I'm at the Pats Rovers game, you might be at it as well. I think I might go along, yeah, non-working, non but... Um, this game is irrelevant, but it actually will have a bit about it because the two teams are kind of... Um, like Pats have obviously the manager situation Rovers are finishing the season in good form I think Rovers still need to finish the season just because they've got Europe I think they need to finish third just the, the, the point we're talking about earlier with Bradley and so on they need to finish it like it's a genuine real thing that they're finishing and obviously Jared Bryan is sort of auditioning really still so there's other names we mentioned for the job so uh, I mean there's a real incentive there so that will I mean I know we're talking about a dead rubber weekend but that'll be good I think Pats Rovers will have something in it uh, Prediction? Ooh uh, I'm going to go for a draw it's really fence sitting there defensive away win uh, Watford and Dock yeah that, that, this will be an interesting one because the Dock have a few bodies suspended um, I think Shields is out and they have another player missing too and then uh, I'm trying to kill you the player is but they're, they're down a few, a few bodies anyway and I suppose for Waterford there is a sense of relief now we still have to see what's going to happen with that club over the winter um, and they're trying to sell it as let's come out and celebrate. But I think, I don't know, if Dundalk, will, have, will they have lost a certain intensity or they still have that desire to get a really high points total? I'd nearly go for the latter. I think if they're going to switch off, it might be the last game of the season when the cup final is getting closer. I, I still think they've got it in them to go there and win. No idea. Uh, a draw, yeah. maybe. Um, lads, thanks very much for coming in. Um, it's not other games on, John. There must be... Oh, the Iron Brew Cup, of course, on Saturday. That's what's on. Uh, Bowes and Bowes. And then I think uh, Sligo are in Motherwell, I think, aren't they? Away, playing the Motherwell Colts or something they, like that. Yeah. I could be wrong, but... Uh, Liking their retro jersey brought out for the celebrations there, the Sligo one. So yeah, the 19th well birthday up. celebration, we, we started to yeah. mention it. They did really well to get two, almost 2,500 people for a I home game with Bray. You meant, no, yeah. we, didn't, we didn't mention the 90th birthday aspect. The, I think the, I did. The, 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 towards the end of the season, a home to Bray getting whatever two and a half thousand they still have really good local Crack support yeah. great, great to see Absolutely. Mikey doing so well for them at the moment yeah, yeah Mikey Drennan Absolutely. was a fellow you tried to sign again at goal it's like a recurring <laughs> team you tried to sign him you tried to sign him you lost him money um, Johnny money um, but um, I actually think this is a great story because um, actually we were discussing this with the Michael Carey thing on on, on um the radio last night that obviously Mike Carrick spoke about depression or whatever but um, Mikey Drennan's story has been um, very kind of life affirming I suppose yeah yeah um, look he's, he's he's a cracking lad um, I had him for four years four or five years between the ages of about uh, for, I would have first started coaching when he was 10 up until he went across the wheel at 15 or 16 um, so I would and yeah we were we were reasonably close close enough that the first couple of times that Mike kind of announced that he'd had enough and he was going home, um, the club would have gotten the phone to myself and, and would have pretty much kind of paid to, to fly me across and spend a few days over there and try and help him settle in and try and get into his head and persuade him to stay. And I actually did that on two occasions. Um, so I did, and I was, you know, he, but he was always battling, you know, demons a little bit. I mean, like, Mike won't mind me saying, I remember a 10 and 11 year old Mikey getting sent off in games at times, you know, he always had a, 
you know, for really kind of fiery, kind of a little bit over the top kind of mentality. So he did. And he's, he's kind of battled with that. You know, he battled with that for a long, long time, really. So he did. It was probably the, the only drawback to him as a player was you, you kind of had to keep him under wraps. Um, when he came back, um, when he came back, I thought he'd struggled big time to adjust. I thought, I, I, di- I didn't see him playing League of Ireland, to be honest with you. I just thought he had that sort of mentality. Um, and to come back and do as well as he did initially, before eventually the demons really kind of kicking in for him. Um, and I definitely didn't see him bouncing back after that. So it's absolutely fantastic to see him playing, enjoying his football. I was texting him the other day. We were slagging over one or two things. And he's just really, really enjoying it. He's got a smile on his face. He's scoring goals. Um, and he's still a young boy, Johnny. Like, Mike is still very young. Mike's the same age as Shawnee. Um, I, th- I think Mike could really, really do big things over the, over the next couple of seasons. I really do, and I sincerely hope that is what happens for him because he seems to be in a happy place. That's, that's actually great to hear. Um, so just before we wrap up, where will Shane Keegan be at start next season, or what are you up to? Oh, we don't know. We, we won't rush. That's a long way away. We'll, we'll sit tight and see what happens for, for the next while, but enjoying this journalism crack for a while anyway. Yeah, and Kev, you're happy enough with uh, how the season has gone, and we obviously see how things are in the off season. Ah, exactly. Yeah, now we're 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 very happy since we spoke about the stuff from before the season when we didn't think. Well, not that we didn't think, but there was no real pressure to be in the play, even in the playoffs. Like it was just be competitive after this. It's a tough year last year, and stuff like the crowds were down, and there was no excitement, and getting beaten every week. And we our remit when we went in was just to make us competitive, and I think we've we've more than done that. And, and there's Definitely a good feeling around the place again. Look, when you're winning games and you're, you're doing up, up near the, the the top of the table rather than the bottom, of course, there's going to be that positive vibe. But now everyone everyone is happy. Um, we'll, we'll see where we are. We'd obviously we'll have to wait and see what happens first before you, you can even talk about players. Or we have spoken, of course, but exactly what type of player or what what division we're in for starters, like you know, and what that would dictate then budgets and, and stuff like that. So we're really just we'll get hopefully. Uh, get these two Finn Harp games done and, and see where we are there if we can if we can get through brilliant we'll go on to Limerick if not then we, we, we'll have to plan for next year thanks very much for listening uh, that was episode 35 of season 2 chat to you next week but there are limits to your life